You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. We allow Him to control our lives. He becomes the Lord. It's a title that we give Him. Lord Jesus, come and take control of my life. Forgive me of my sins. And it's at that moment where the Spirit enters into us and we're born again. That's when that good work begins. So being confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is, until the day of Christ coming back for His people. And so what God did for Jacob, God will also do for us. Would you say that you're confident in your faith? That you're confident in God? In today's message, Pastor Mike answers the question of how can we be confident by referencing Jacob. Jacob was confident in his faith because he knew what it was like to live without it. Jacob had once allowed himself to use God's name for his own benefit. Once Jacob had accepted God, he didn't let himself use God's name in vain anymore. He did that because God was now the one working in Jacob's life instead of just himself. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 48 as he begins his message, Jacob's Last Will and Testament. Verse 1, now it came to pass after these things, that is the things that are recorded before chapter 47, that Joseph was told, and remember by this time, Joseph now through an unusual series of circumstances has become the prime minister of the nation of Egypt, which happens to be the most powerful nation on the face of the earth at this time. So Joseph was told, indeed, your father, who is Jacob, has become sick, and he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. So uh, just back up a little bit, just kind of to set the stage and the platform for this morning's uh, message. Remember, uh, Joseph had many responsibilities there within Pharaoh's uh, kingdom. And during the seven years of famine, he brought his family from the land of Canaan down to Egypt so that they might be sustained during that time of famine. Egypt was only, only one of the places that any food could be found anywhere upon the face of the earth. And uh, so Joseph summons for his dad, Jacob, and his other sons and, and other members of his family in the household. There was probably about a hundred of them in all. And they come down to Egypt, and Joseph settles them in the land of Goshen, which was one of the provinces of, of Egypt. It was of the choicest land without the, uh, within the whole empire of the nation of uh, Egypt. But 
Joseph himself, although he planted his family there, did not stay in that area, did not stay in Goshen. And he returned to his duties. And so basically he uh, told his brothers that, look, if dad gets any worse, by the time he had already come to Egypt, he was old. Uh, he had some uh, physical problems that he was dealing with. And so Joseph encourages his brothers, look, if dad gets any worse, make sure that you summon for me. And then he goes back to Egypt there within the kingdom and to take care of the duties that had been given to him by uh, the king. And so now he's summoned for it. Obviously, things have gotten worse for his dad, Jacob. So he goes back to the land of Goshen, where he settled his dad and his brothers and the rest of the, the family. But this time, notice, he brings along with him his sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And those were the two sons that were born to Joseph while he was there in Egypt. So kind of just setting the stage for you so that you kind of get the, you know, the bigger picture of what is going on here. And so Jacob was told, look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel strengthened himself and set up on the bed. So he collected the little strength that remained and he strengthened himself to uh, receive his son Joseph and Joseph's son uh, Manasseh and Ephraim. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. So what's going on here now is Jacob is sharing his testimony, not only with Joseph, but Joseph's sons. And this is what we're per, uh, particularly interested in this morning. That is the testimony that Jacob shared with them. And said to me, verse 4, behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. And I will make of you a multitude of people and give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. He's talking about making Jacob the father of a great nation, of course, who would later become the nation of Israel. And now your two sons, verse 5, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. So notice, it's sort of like... Uh, uh, he takes them unto uh, his own, numbers them as uh, his own sons. Even as Reuben and Simeon, uh, they shall be mine. So sort of like adopting them. Your offspring, whom you beget after them, shall be yours. They will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. But as for me, when I came from Padan, uh, Rachel, that would, uh, of course, have been uh, one of Jacob's wives, died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is the city of Bethlehem. Then Israel saw Joseph's son and said, Who are these? Obviously, he had become blind by this time. He wasn't able to recognize them, the figures of these uh, sons of Joseph. And so he's become blind. His sight has failed him. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel, uh, the name is used interchangeably. This is the same. Remember, this was the, the name that God had given Jacob, right? Uh, after he had broken him and brought him 
to the place where he was completely and totally surrendered unto God. And then in that moment, he changed his name from Jacob, the supplanter, to Israel, which indicates someone who is governed by God. That's what the name Israel literally means. And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact, God has also shown me your offspring. Okay, so let me further set this message up for you. So as I've already suggested, Jacob has been ill for a while now. And soon, God was going to take him home. And it seems like, from what we gather here in this text of Scripture, that Jacob sensed that. That is, that soon, God was going to call him home. And so Joseph is summoned for, as I've already mentioned, This time he takes along with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, to be there for their grandfather, Jacob. And what follows here is actually, if you think about it, the high point in Jacob's life. Why would I even refer to what's going on here? I mean, he's about to die. But nevertheless, why am I referring to this as the high point in Jacob's life? Well, really, it has to do with the testimony that Jacob gives to Joseph and his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. His testimony is the magnificent triumph of his life. Now, when we think of a testimony, you know, we often use that word in Christian circles. In fact, there are services that are totally dedicated to the people who are attending to share their testimony. And you might be in one of those services called upon to give your testimony. But I want you to understand something about that testimony. It's more than just a bunch of words, and it's more than just a one kind of an experience that you've gone through in your walk with the Lord. Like, for example, uh, someone might stand and say, you know what, here's my testimony. I've been praying all week that God would open the door, you know, for a, a new place of employment, because I've been having an awfully bad time with my uh, present employer, and I haven't been you know, making enough money at that particular location, and I've been praying all week for this new job. I just interviewed for it. And guess what? God heard my prayers. God gave me favor. I got the job. And so that's my testimony. And then everybody gets all excited and starts clapping. You've ever been to one of those services before? But listen, what's going on here is so much more than that. It's not just a one-time kind of a testimony. It's not even the words that we share, although those things are very important. What's going on here, think about it, as far as Jacob's testimony is concerned, it's all about a lifetime of experience. A lifetime of experience. And how important this is. You know, one writer describing this, what's going on here, what's recorded for us in the first part of chapter 48 He describes it in these terms. Jacob is like a runner who had been outdistanced by others, but now he got his second win and swept by them all, taking the prize. Remember, going back to our series here in the book of Genesis when we're first introduced to Jacob, yes, he had some sort of a relationship with God, but it was a very feeble one. It certainly wasn't as mature as it was at the end of his life. And I'll give you, I'll cite a couple of examples for you in just a moment. Yes, he was acquainted with God, 
But, you know, it certainly wasn't reminiscent of the kind of a relationship that we uh, should have with God, an exemplary kind of a relationship all of us should have with God. There were certain things lacking within Jacob's life, that is, his complete surrender and complete faith in God. You know, he still tried to get things done in the flesh, didn't he? Remember, his name Jacob indicated who he was, his personality. He was a supplanter. The, the word, the, literally the name Jacob means the heel catcher. And this is the way that he lived his life. He was the kind of guy that you would never want to get into any kind of a business transaction with because it would always take advantage of you. He was like the ultimate used car salesman kind of a guy, you know? And uh, if you're ever thinking about buying a used car or something like that, you're just like, you're thinking, I know I'm going to get ripped here. And, uh, you know, all of these extra fees. Have you ever gone out and bought a, a used car? You know, our, our car just had some mechanical difficulties, and it was going to take too much money to get it fixed. I had to get, uh, there was a seal that had blown in my engine, and the car wasn't actually worth uh, the cost of getting the repairs done that needed to be done on my car. So we actually traded it in, and we got another used car this last week. But I got to tell you something, with great trepidation, you know, I went to the, the dealership and I'm, all of the while, first of all, I did all of my homework on the car that we were thinking about purchasing, you know, so that I wouldn't be taken advantage of. Because when you walk in that dealership and you know you're going to get taken advantage of, it, it's just that's, that's how they make their money, right? That's how they make their commissions. And so it's not something that we look forward to. But, they, you know, Jacob would have been the ultimate used car salesman. I hope there's no used car salesman here, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this guy was a mover and a shaker. And he would take advantage of you, you know, in a, just, you know, in, in, in a bat of an eye. And isn't that exactly what he did with his brother Esau? He ripped off his brother Esau's birthright. Remember that? Remember uh, his dad Isaac, Esau was dad... Uh, his father Isaac's favorite. He was, a, he was a hunter. He was a man of the field. He was, he was someone that, if you were a guy, uh, you can relate to or you'd want to be like. Whereas, on the other hand, Jacob was sort of like a mama's boy. And every time we're first introduced to Jacob, he's in the kitchen with mom. He's sort of like, you know, uh, connected to mom's uh, apron strings. And uh, he is his mom's favorite whereas Esau was his dad Isaac's favorite. And during the latter part of Isaac's life, remember, he summoned for Esau, he wanted to bless him uh, with the patriarchal blessing. And mom got wind of it, and so mom's favorite was Jacob. And so remember, they conspired to rip the patriarchal blessing off of their brother uh, Esau, Jacob's brother Esau, and, and that's exactly what happened, remember? And Isaac was also uh, blind at that time. He was on sort of like on his deathbed, although he, he, his life was extended from that record that's recorded for us in the book of Genesis. But remember, Esau was a very hairy man. I don't know exactly how hairy he was. But remember, they took goat skins and they placed it around their hands and around his neck. And then his mother prepared the food. Uh, that Isaac was looking for, 
and they went into dad, Isaac, who was on the deathbed, and he disguised his voice. He put on his brother Esau's raiment. You know, the guy kind of smelled like someone who was a hunter living in the field. I guess he never washed his clothes or whatever. And, uh, and he went in to disguise his voice, and, and he ripped off his brother Esau's birthright. And when it, Esau became aware of that, remember, he swore a vow. What was the vow? As soon as my father Isaac dies, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. And so mom encourages her favorite son Jacob to leave the home to escape Esau's wrath. They send him off to Haran, to Uncle Laban's house, where he meets Rachel, and you remember the whole story, and, and Leah and the switcheroo that happened there. He had finally met his match. I, I'm, just, I'm giving you the whole thing of Genesis here, man. <laughs> I'm not even charging you extra for any of this stuff, by the way. Well, anyway, let's get back to our text here. I'm falling over. Anyway, Jacob was the kind of guy that you'd never wanted to meet up with. He'd take advantage of you if it was all uh, possible. And so anyway, uh, his testimony. And so what we have here, think about that. And, and, and again, it's, all about, it's more than just a word. Uh, his testimony has to do with a lifetime of experience. So what we have here then is the perseverance of a true child of God to the very end. And so, you know, maybe we can relate to Jacob. I think many of us are like Jacob. You know, we start off kind of feeble and weak, and then God brings us along. It's a part of a process. And then hopefully at the end of our life, we'll have this powerful testimony, the result of a lifelong experience in walking with God. And that's what it's all about, that kind of a testimony. That's what we're talking about here. In the book of Philippians, in chapter 1, in verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who hasn't begun a good work in you, and that work begins the day that we give our lives to Christ, where we invite him to come and be the Lord and Savior of our life. When we ask him to forgive us of our sins, and we allow him to control our lives. He becomes the Lord. It's a title that we give him. Lord Jesus, come and take control of my life. Forgive me of my sins. And it's at that moment where the Spirit enters into us and we're born again. That's when that good work begins. So being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is, until the day of Christ coming back for his people. And so what God did for Jacob, God will also do for us. But again, you know, our beginnings are feeble or small, and, and uh, it's a part of a process. You always hear me use the illustration, we might as well have a sign hanging around our neck under construction, because it's so true. And there's never going to be a time in this life that we've arrived. Whether you're a new Christian or the senior pastor of a church, there's always room for growth and improvement, going on to maturity. We never need to get into that funk of thinking like we've arrived, we've got it wired, there's nothing else to attain to. It's not true. The Bible tells us that when we see him, that is Jesus, we shall become like him and not before. So upon his second coming, then that work that is referred to there in Philippians chapter 1 will be complete. So in fact, this episode, think about this, in chapter 48, what we've just read, is offered as evidence and validation of Jacob's faith. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, which is the Hall of Faith chapter, as we often refer to it as, 
In verse 21, we read, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, which, uh, you know, is a reference to what we're reading here in chapter 48 in the book of Genesis, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning on the top of his staff. In other words, he mustered up enough strength to be able to do this. This was no small task, as we're about to uh, discover here. Now, this portion of Jacob's testimony deserves our careful examination. There's a couple of things that I want to draw your attention to here. The first of which is, and if you're taking notes, write this down. It'll be projected up here on the screen. That is a God-oriented outlook. And that's exactly what Jacob had, a God-oriented outlook. And this is so very, very important for all of God's kids. And I want you to notice, the first feature of this, excuse me, I want you to notice that in Jacob's testimony, it began and it ended with God. And, And your testimony should also likewise begin and end with God. Notice he begins with God's appearance to him at Bethel. Verse 3, let's go back to our text now in chapter 48. Then Jacob said to Joseph, this is all a part of his testimony, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. So notice the name of God there. So his whole experience began, his testimony begins with God. And then he ended it by referring to God's goodness in allowing him to see not only Joseph, his son, but also Joseph's children. Let's jump ahead to verse 11. And Israel said to Joseph, or Jacob said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact God has also shown me your offspring. Notice the reference to God there. Get the point? It began and ended with God. Listen, gang, blessed, happy is the life that begins and ends with God. Uh, Pleasure, money, power, you know, all of those things dissipate. You can lose those things. But happy is the testimony that sees all of life from that perspective. You know, knowing that God was at work, knowing that he was with you, preserving you, providing for you. Remember, Jesus himself said, and this is just part of being a child of God. Jesus himself said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And I hope that, you know, you can look back on your life, you know, the footsteps and and the footprints, rather, of, of God working in your life, drawing you to himself. And on that day that you went through your own conversion experience, right up until the present time and all of what God has done, providing, blessing, protecting, and and, you know, all of what God does, and forgiving, and, and being so patient with us, changing us from the inside out. I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing uh, process. So happy is the testimony that sees all of life from that perspective. You see, that's exactly what Jacob wanted to pass along to Joseph and Joseph's sons. In my father's house There's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be. When something gets close to an ending, we naturally turn our attention to the beginning. 
When a child is about to graduate, we look at baby pictures. When a beloved spouse of many years grows close to death, we go over the story of how we met. When we pack up our stuff and move away from a house, we remember the first times we walked in the door. And as we draw close to the end of days, it seems only fitting to return to in the beginning. We can watch as light is created in land and sea and all the creatures, day and night in the sun and moon. And when we take a look at the glorious and amazing creation of the world, we can remember that it's the same God from the beginning who is ruling over the end. We can watch in awe, remembering that the end is also good news as we eagerly await His return. And here at In My Father's House, we're so glad you've decided to spend your day with us. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. It's easy to get here with access from Port Authority and Penn Station on 34th. We'd love to see you. Pop over to our website, harvestnyc.org, to find times and so much more. And if you feel compelled to partner with this ministry financially, there's a link for that as well. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. While you're there, take a look around to find additional audio, a link to our Vimeo and podcasts. That's all we have time for today. We've loved spending time with you, and we can't wait to meet up with you again. See you next time here in my father's house.